0: Hi, I'm Professor Beckstraw.
1: And I'm Professor Eric Bronson, and you're listening to Prison Breakdown.
0: Two, three, break! Eat the spoil is fun, but we're gonna bust out of here. Two, three, break!
1: I'm locked in here with you, break! you're locked in here with me. Two, three, break! And i can honestly say I'm changed, man
0: to society here. God's honest truth.
1: I'm not leaving
0: this cell. I'll get out my way. The right way! Two, three, break! Ahoy, dudes! Ahoy! Welcome back to another...
1: Happy New Year. Happy
0: New Year to you, Bronson. Uh, welcome back to another thrilling episode of Prison Breakdown. We are back after a prolonged absence due to holidays, and uh, Eric coming up with every virus and illness that illness. is under
1: the sun. Illness. Illness. Yeah, just call me Petri Dish. Professor mm-hmm. Petri Dish. <laughs> 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 I blew it on the... See, that's, you know... Say it all. The kids ruin everything. I blame the kids. I was around the hockey team, and uh, they just got me sick. Not only... Because of the viruses, but because of their effort on the ice, <laughs> <It was> <laughs> sickening. <laughs> and, and the food at Outback Steakhouse when you guys
0: went out to celebrate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm trying. We went to this this wild place up in Marlboro, Massachusetts, called Apex. This place was absolutely huge. It had you could throw axes, laser tag, ropes course. Uh, go-karts bowling alley it was huge and the kids had so much fun at it. Um, it it was unbelievable and no we're not being paid for to say that it was <laughs> some place that was completely unexpected um, i don't know how the beer was because i was you know uh, on the meds but the the pizza was below average i can say that I, the know, real turkey kind of cheese yeah. if we're yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, as as we know that having a strong undercarriage is important when it comes to the crust, and it was awful. You pick it up, and it's all floppy and soggy car- cardboard oh, type. No. But, yeah, it was not mm. good, not good.
2: No. If, if you could compare it to a national brand of pizza, what would you compare it to? Uh,
1: bad Pizza bad Hut, pizza. Bad okay. Pizza Hut. Not even Pizza Hut, Bad mm. Pizza Hut. So
0: Eric, you and the team go to a place like this in mass. What do you gravitate towards? Do
1: you go to the bowling
0: alley? Do you go to the ax throwing? What's your jam?
1: Oh, it was, uh, we, the, all the adults went down, downstairs and, uh, just sat around the uh, bar and had food, which was right by the bowling alley. But the bowling alley wasn't a normal bowling alley. It was all the neon bowling. Um, but, uh, lots of opportunity for fun there, uh, and uh, again, it just, I, the place was absolutely massive. The footprint and the square footage of this place was unbelievable. It was huge. The kids had a blast.
2: Do you think it was like an abandoned warehouse or something or, you know, a, a derelict warehouse that they reappropriated or something like that? Or
1: No, that that would be nice if it was. This was, I think, new construction type. Now, you know, it's a few years old, but <clears throat> it's still massive. Just massive. Yeah, here's an idea. What if we took former prisons and
0: turned them into like bowling alleys and laser, laser tag? Like doing tag. laser tag would be yeah. awesome in well, an old be prison. So cool! Yeah, yeah, you could like yeah do a like a laser
2: tag attica.
1: Yep. Yeah, that'd you, be so cool. You know who would get into that? Are these are the airsoft folks? They oh, yeah. would, they paintball. would go. Oh yeah. yeah, paintball, airsoft, in an old prison. They would go berserk over that. You just put some obstacles up in the day room. They would lose their minds to be able to play there. That would be. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Tell, Tell me, how is
0: airsoft it, the new paintball? Yeah. I know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that I think the folks run same you know same crowd for the most part. I mm-hmm. think uh, airsoft's a little bit more painful. Yeah. So you know, know pulls more. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you know that alpha male machismo crowd just loves that shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cool guys, the uh, the the guys who are like like very military but never served any time in the military. Rotz guys. Rotz yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. but boy by the way they dress their you know their little halloween outfits they wear there you'd you'd think they served
0: (laughs) stolen valor bro
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah when they wear their medals to to paintball
2: (laughs) (laughs) what do you think is the paintball equivalent to the purple heart
1: Mm. that's a that's a tough one
2: uh yeah, I mean, what color would it be? Because paintballs yeah. are all types of colors. So. Right.
0: Oh, that's, that's like a good a point.
2: Art, maybe.
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> 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 we're, we're stretching here. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe, something yellow. Mm,
0: yeah.
2: Okay. yeah. Huh.
1: Some
0: high, high
2: vis. Oh yeah, like the high viz vest color. There you go. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, we kneecapped that conversation. <laughs>
0: all right so eric you got any cool prison news this week is it time for the razor wire are we going down to the razor wire we yeah i think we can what's the segment called
1: (laughs) (laughs) news hot off the razor wire
0: oh yeah yeah (laughs)
1: Fresh
2: news, hot off the razor wire. Don't, all
1: right, so during our last uh, get together, we talked about uh, the bill that that bipartisan bill that was going to look at the Federal Bureau of Prisons and their medical um, their their medical uh, availability for inmates. Um, not much has happened since then, but um, something I that just is. I mean, this is hot off the razor wire. Um, Oscar Pistorius, the disgraced South African sprinter who was known as the Blade Runner, um, was just released from prison earlier today. So he served, uh, he was in prison for 11 years for the slaying of his girlfriend, um, for which he was found guilty of, um. 11 years ago. So um, he, uh, you know, that's some pretty serious time. He, uh, you know, he was locked up in jail and then did 10 years in in a prison um, uh, there in South Africa, um, a place called Adridgeville Correctional Center. Um, And so he uh, is now out on the streets and supervised release so they he, their form of of uh parole um obviously for you know as we see throughout much of the world much shorter sentences for murder but he is back out on the streets and uh we'll be getting back to his um his normal life his original sentence was 13 and a half years but he got out a little early due to good behavior do you think
0: there's any chance for him to go back to living a normal life like the the man presumably made his living as an olympian i mm-hmm. i wonder if he'd be even be able to compete in that sphere again no after 11 years of
2: non-practice absolutely not
0: yeah i don't
2: i mean the, I the, the window to be an olympian is such a short time anyway like yeah. there's very few olympians that make it past two olympics you know very very few that are actually in three so you know, 12, 12, 11, 12 years is too much to ask for someone who was a former Olympian, I think.
0: That is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Eric, you're an athletic man. Was the Olympics ever a consideration in your future?
1: Oh, definitely. You know, when I was in middle school, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, I, not only was I going to the Olympics, I was going to play in the NFL. So I was going to wrestle in the Olympics and then play in the NFL in my spare time, you know. But uh <laughs> You'd be <just> like Goldberg. <laughs> I um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to be around a few Olympians um and individuals that have, have wrestled for the United States uh while while uh they happen to be training at Ohio State for wrestling. Um uh, Mark Coleman was one of them. And um, you know, I was when I was in high school um, I was, I was already a large individual. I was already six foot three and like two hundred and sixty pounds. And Mark Coleman threw me around like I was an absolute rag doll. Like I, it, I mean, it was such a joke for him to just. And at that point in my life, I was used to pushing people around on a wrestling mat or the football field, and you know, normally getting the better of other people. it, it was unbelievable how it just like almost did not exist. Um, I, (laughs) I couldn't do anything. It was just, you know, it was, it was freakish how, how much more of a, you know, of an athlete and a, and a strong human he was than anybody I had ever been around, um, in my entire life. Um, it, it, it's a different breed of individual.
0: Now, let me put it out there. It it sounds like you had a great build to be a bully. Were you a bully?
1: No, no, unfortunately not. Should have been wasted potential. <laughs> the, yeah. could have put people in their place. <laughs> lunch money now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could be rich from lunch money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 50 cents every day. Right.
0: Uh, it adds Top up interest. interest, baby. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> really? It's your retirement right there. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, especially since I'm not very far from it anymore, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> Don't you dare think about it. <laughs> no, I'm not not that close yet. No, yeah, right. Plus, you know, we got we got too good of a gig here at Roger Williams University. This is a the golden ticket of all jobs. I love it. Yeah, right. I love. You're it. You're gonna have to put me in the ground at work. Yeah, exactly. That's why I want to be buried right on campus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bury me in my office. Yeah, I, want, I, want, I want to
1: be out there next to the Roger Williams statue.
0: man Raj hanging out in in eternity
1: right right (laughs) anyway so that's that's the news hot off the razor wire is Oscar uh, the Blade Runner is now free um and uh return to society while under supervise uh you know supervision some form of supervision again on parole there so um he uh back into society i don't i don't know what he's gonna do um there's no there's there's absolutely nothing in this article um that that says what he's gonna be doing so um be interesting who who knows maybe he might end up trying to get into coaching uh for sprinters or uh you know motivational speaker. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know if it's for uh for uh for runners or for you know people who want to aspiring murderers yeah aspiring murderers <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I, I don't know that he was that good of a murderer though if you if you were a good murderer no uh, like i i mean I, i'm saying that and like the being good at it like right he, he would have gotten away with it
1: right correct Yeah, no, I don't think there was a whole lot of planning this. I think this was a pretty typical murder, which, you know, I think is odd to say, right. A normal murder. Um, sure. Yeah. Right. Um, I I think, uh, I think it was pretty typical. He just got angry and exploded. You know, crime of passion. Yeah. Rage killing. So yeah,
0: it's, we, we say this and joke around about this, but our, our parts do go out to the victim's family and, uh, victim herself um it it always astounds me to look at other country sentencing structures and how how inflated our sentences are compared to everywhere else yeah especially for murder you look at even the death penalty is relatively rare amongst other other developed countries right
1: right i think it's it's part of the whole you know prison industrial complex if we if we build it they will come right and they will come in not yeah. only high numbers, but in long sentences. Um, man, we like to sentence people for a long period of time. But, but you know, murder, you got a 13-year sentence. You know, you know, if we're looking at a typical murder sentence around the United States, you're looking at 25 years minimum, right? Yeah, unreal. And while
0: there should be some punishment for murdering someone, obviously, there's got to be a better way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Um, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but our lack of innovation is staggering.
1: No, we d- we don't like new things, right?
0: No, we hate new things. Yeah. We we like status quo.
1: Yeah. No, and we like being punitive as well.
0: Now, Eric, you have any other news on that razor wire? No,
1: that's the that's the, the hottest ticket off the razor wire today. Is I think uh, is uh, the release of
2: Blade Runner. That's such a cool nickname too. Like, wait, did he? Did he murder his girlfriend with a knife or blade?
0: No, no, <laughs> because no. I'm wondering if
2: that's why he got a nickname. I'm not no, to make got, a joke. So, um,
1: <laughs> he got the nickname because um, he did not have um, legs below the knees, and he ran on um, prosthetics.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. That's cool. And so that's the, how he got the the nickname Blade Runner, not because he's a slasher. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm just
0: saying it, it makes sense.
1: <laughs> no, he...
0: Uh, Was he the first to like really take off on those prosthetic, I guess, blades, for yeah. lack of a better term for them? So
1: he ran in the Paralympics and dominated the Paralympics and then went through some major... Uh, court cases to run against fully able-bodied individuals. And so he ran into 2012 London Olympics. He didn't medal, but, uh, he was about three or four seconds off the winning pace, uh, in the, uh, in the 400 meter race, um, and in, in the, uh, in the semifinals, he didn't make it to the finals, but, uh, um, so anyways, but yeah, he uh <clears throat> excuse me. He uh, he won he won gold medals in the Paralympics three years three three Paralympics in a row. Yeah. Damn it, dude.
0: Yeah. I, I'm gonna put it out there. I, I am so bored by the Olympics. I've not watched the Olympics in years. It's <laughs> so dull to me. <laughs> I, I, I get that it's incredible athleticism, but there's it's not that interesting to watch like a marathon. Like you ever try to watch the marathon on the Olympics? That It's unwatchable.
2: <laughs> Boy, you don't like watching people just run continuously for two and a half to three yeah.
1: hours. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> so if it, are there any events in the Olympics that draw you in?
0: Um, I, uh, gym, gymnastics is something that's like a, a really crazy physical feat. Every now and then, something will. Like I I watched that first episode of that that Bulls documentary. The um, what was it called? The The Last Dance. And 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 just watching Jordan and his athleticism, like like he's he just does crazy things with his body that you are incredible. Yeah, and something like that, like draws my eye. But otherwise, I I have so little investment in sports that I. I find it hard to care about yeah and it seems it's so nationalistic right and not that's not a thing i care about either
1: yeah it's kind of that part of it i don't i don't you know love the whole idea that you know that patriotism is tied to how you know somebody does diving off the 10 meter platform um you know that, that just doesn't that doesn't draw me in but yeah the athleticism does it's you know i obviously i i, I very very closely follow the wrestling um just cuz I, I absolutely love it but uh a lot of the other sports i don't really get into but no just and to to answer Britt's question he uh you know oscar did not stab the girl his girlfriend when he murdered her he actually shot her so he he claimed that he thought you know his defense was he thought she was somebody breaking into the house and it was self defense and and shot her. So when
0: I was starting as a corrections officer in 2012, it was I, I was about to go off to training to the academy. I was I was a fresh officer off of uh, field officer training on my own, and I was uh, one night I was about to go to work in the sex offender unit. And the night before I had talked to a field training officer who said, Oh yeah, I was working in that sex offender unit last night. Those guys were watching, they were watching women's gymnastics. You, you better be careful about it. You, you don't know what they're thinking about when they're watching that. There's, there's all these young girls and, and leotards. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. And, and he said, yeah, I shut that right down. I, I, I said to these perverts, you got to turn off the TV and, and, uh, and no more tv tonight and so i was like okay yeah 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 and, and then i go to work in the unit the next day and they have on they had on women's gymnastics and following his advice i was like hey all right we're shutting this down and everyone turns around toward me and they're like what did you say? <laughs> and I was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and, and just then another officer comes through the door. And they're like, "Hey, straw, it's your turn. You're up for training." And I was like, "Oh, okay, good." <laughs> and and uh, I, <laughs> I, I thought about it. Like, I've had years to think about this afterward. And and that that's not fair. Like, I, I, first off, it's it's gymnastics. I I'm not there to judge them of their crime or whatever their crime is. It probably has nothing to do with women's gymnastics right and and um and the fact that they're watching the olympics is it's none of my business and so i I did talk to to one of the the unit workers afterward and he was like oh yeah they they, they were pretty heated and uh, i had the chance to apologize to him but your your field training officers aren't aren't always right that that's the the moral of this story yeah
1: yeah it's uh and i think gymnastics is one of the most highly watched sports um during the olympics i think you know it has it does very well but i think it has more to do with the female audience that's out there uh, just like figure skating during the winter olympics um which uh which does i think it's the highest rated uh, winter olympic sport um in terms of viewership yeah makes sense well shall we get to the main event absolutely All right, today
0: we are talking about Sing Sing, the prison in New York State. Have you heard? Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, and I've been. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's uh, you know, got a long family history of uh, over there in Ossining, New York, Um, and so um, I'm tad bit familiar with sing sing i was lucky enough to be able to visit there um uh, a while ago um i know it's been a while but yeah um i've been fortunate enough to to visit there and it's one it's it's definitely one of the most unique uh, correctional facilities i've ever been to um it's uh how so well first off you got a train track that runs through the middle of the institution um, it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just now granted when you're on the train and you, you're, you know, you're heading up the Hudson there. Um, if you're, unless you know what's coming up, you go blowing through it pretty quick. But, um, yeah, you got, you got correctional settings on both sides of the, of the train tracks. It's just, uh, it's just really, you know, unique and it's old and there's a lot of history there. Um, you know, we're, we're talking you know going going back 200 years almost now um this facility was established so it's uh it's great it's just a really great great place um when you're when you when you geek on prisons this is one of the ones you really you know really kind of gets you because it uh you know this got a lot of history to it you know and obviously tied to new york city where you know the we're sending you up the river. This is the one they were talking about.
0: Yeah, that's where the expression comes from. Is because it's on the Hudson River, so people would say you're getting sent up the river. It, it's shorthand for you're going to prison. Yeah, but you didn't know that, did you, Producer Britt? I certainly didn't. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Yeah. And can you tell us how did you get a tour there? What was what were the circumstances?
1: I just, uh, uh, you know, it was while I was teaching over in Connecticut, and just happened to call up and say, Hey, uh, you know, I'll be in the area really was going over in, in October to, uh, to be near sleepy hollow, you know, getting, geeking out on the whole Halloween thing. Um, and this was just, you know, right down the road going, going over the prison. So I said, Hey, I'm coming over there. Do you mind if I get a, um, get a quick tour? And like, yeah, come on in, uh, which was great because at the time, Connecticut wasn't letting anybody into their prisons. Um, so I, you know, this was wasn't long after I finished a Ph.D. And, uh, you know, I was I was trying to get into as many prisons as I could just so I could see and, I, you know, just so that I could talk firsthand about being able to, you know, say, hey, here's an old old Auburn style prison um, and be able to talk about here you know here's one that still exists and is in in an operation um so yeah it uh they they were more than willing to say yeah come on in so early 2000s so again, i don't you were still running around elementary school then right (laughs) (laughs) i was i was but a lad (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so our story for sing sing starts in 1825 when the state of New York bought the land for $20,100. It it has been termed over time American Bastille, also called the House of Fear, and our favorite, it's known as the Big House. The Big House. Absolutely. It's a, a name that's caught on for other prisons, just as shorthand for prison. So in May of 1825, Um, They had a hundred incarcerated men relocated from Auburn prison to the supposed location of Sing Sing. At this time, Auburn prison was still an operating facility. These men were relocated to the site of Sing Sing without a place to receive them or a wall to enclose them. And incarcerated men were made to build their own prison. It's like a little like digging your own grave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, still goes on in, in the South. they still use inmate labor to build prison part you know prison uh, facilities. They, they're going to add on to a to a facility down there they're like, hey let's use uh, the folks we have locked up. So man, they're learning from the, the good old days.
0: Yeah. so so for the the initial cell block that they built, incarcerated men were forced to dig and gather rock from local quarries. Um, it is built largely from what they call Sing Sing Marble, which is another name for limestone. And the cells were about seven feet deep, uh, three feet, three inches wide, and six feet, seven inches high. So consider packing a guy like Bronson into there. It, it, it
1: might feel a little like a coffin. <laughs> yeah. That's a tight coffin, That's too. A tight squeeze. <laughs> Especially if you... Uh, you know, if you have any, you know, claustrophobia, that's t- that's tight. Ugh. Yeah,
0: right? So they, they had this for about three years. And then in 1828, inmates got moved into new cells. And do you know where the name Sing Sing comes from? It comes from,
1: uh, isn't that shortened it up, from Ossining?
0: And... Um, Austin is where it's located. That, that's one thought. The, the other thought is that there's an Indian tribe, uh, sorry, a Native American or indigenous tribe named Sint Sinks. Okay. I
1: hope I'm pronouncing that correctly.
0: And it, and it means stone upon stone.
1: That makes sense. That is stone upon stone
0: there. Whew. Uh, but it quickly developed this reputation for dread and terror. There was a lot of water torture. There, were, there was waterboarding. There were some drowning inmates
1: and water torture was used as this form of punishment to get confessions from inmates Uh, to me that just uh, you know hearing about that and thinking about that just starts to take my breath away just you know uh, you know when they start talking about waterboarding and awful things like that that's just no no pun intended it just sounds awful
0: That is a super gnarly history
1: yeah let's talk some notable inmates all right
0: eric do you know of any notable inmates of this place
1: oh boy I'm trying to think of some of some of the really good ones that you know when, when we're talking about the history when we talk about New York City and the criminals that would go from New York City um you know had, had, sending them up the river um oh boy, I'm trying to think of who would be who would be a well known one. I know there was a Capone there, but it's not the famous Al Capone that everybody was looking at Louis Capone, right. No relation to Al Capone. Um, but he he can he was convicted of murder, I believe. but yeah, uh, they were I think they were leaders of murder Inc. Um, I believe the the infamous gang there in in New York City, you, you know back in the 40s. I don't but I'm not 100% certain I don't, but I I'm pretty certain he was there you know Cap- Louis Capone was there because everybody was like oh there was a Capone in in uh, Sing Sing but they're thinking of the wrong one Al Capone obviously was never there Yeah so
0: Louis Capone was was a notable <laughs> one as a gang leader We also had a famous bank robber named Willie Sutton You ever hear of Willie Sutton No Ah uh, so so he he's he's famous as a notorious bank robber and in december of 1932 he actually escaped sing sing with other inmates they obtained some hacksaw blades nice odd nice cell bars he was he's also a skilled lock picker Uh he was able to get through some prison doors but one of the doors was unpickable so interestingly it's still a mystery to us we don't know for sure how he was able to escape it's thought there's some conspiracy out there that maybe he had help from an officer, but there's nothing to substantiate this.
1: Somebody left the door unlocked for him.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah. That or, or somebody's not doing their job. Somebody
1: helped him out.
0: <laughs> so Willie Sutton, he, he makes it out for about a year. And then 1934, early 1934, he gets captured in Philadelphia again. So he did not stay on the run. Not for very long. But another interesting one was... Albert Fish. Are you familiar with that name? Yeah.
1: Bad dudes. Uh, wasn't he a child rapist and serial killer? W- one of the, f- yeah, one of the famous. Yeah. yeah.
0: He was born Hamilton Fish. Hamilton! Which is also a bad name, but Albert Fish <laughs> is what he went by. He took the name of his dead brother. Ooh.
1: Didn't he? Wasn't he so also he a... He worked as a prostitute. Man, wasn't he also a cannibal? Oh, I'm getting to oh, that. Okay. Oh, okay. So he,
0: he worked as a prostitute. Uh-huh. Uh Uh, raped a number of young men, but he was a cannibal. He would prey on children, and he would also target uh, physically disabled persons and African-Americans. So he he targeted people he thought were vulnerable at the time. Um, He said he was addicted to sexual mutilation, and he was actually declared fit to stand trial, even though many people protest against this and thought he was not. And he was given the death penalty at Sing Sing in 1936. He is one of our more prolific serial killers. He admitted to killing over 100 children, but he was only convicted for killing one and uh, a child named Grace Budd, and that's the reason he was executed. His final words were written in letters and his lawyer actually refused to read them because they were so gruesome. And so his lawyer is the only one who really knows all the details.
1: You, you know, you got to wonder how Hollywood has not grasped on to, to this guy and his, his story. You know, they're always looking for true crime cases or murderers. How have they not grabbed on to, what did you say his real name was? Hamilton? Hamilton Fish?
0: Hamilton, Hamilton Fish. He
1: went by Albert. <laughs> how did they not grasp onto this guy and this horrible things that he's done that i mean people would go nuts over this
0: oh you know, for sure it, it like he, he's got a really bizarre story and his his lawyer even refused to say anything about that final letter the the attorney said it's the most filthy thing i've ever oh. read i'm not going to release it to the public but uh, it, it's it's um Rumored that his his final words were, "I don't even know why I'm here." Before they they pulled the switch. Whoa, really? So, yeah, just a non remorseful,
1: living in denial, huh?
0: Yeah, living in denial. Did he,
1: did he say it was all fake news about him? <laughs> <laughs> fake news? Yeah, he, he
0: was a he was a real like 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 a. Trying to turn the tables on January 6th <laughs> at like a its time. He, 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 was, he was like a, a yeah. Nostradamus. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Antifa ate that kid. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Wasn't me. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, they, they also called it the death house for a while. The first executions in New York from electric chair were conducted at Auburn Prison. And from 1891 to 1963, Sing Sing was called the Death House, and they performed 614 executions Ooh-wee. through electrocution. Eight eight being women.
1: 614. Executions my women. goodness, that's a lot. Right. Uh,
0: that's over 70 years or so. Yeah, it's a lot.
1: Do we do we know how many how many different electric chairs they ended up using? Because like when I was in Kentucky and I went to, when I went to the death chamber there, um, they had just recently cleaned it up. And what I mean by cleaning it up is you have to, you know, where the electrodes are, where they strap you in, where your wrist and your ankles, um, that gets all charred. And so they had just, they had just taken the time to to refinish the wood, um, you know, scrape off all the the burnt marks. Um, and so I'm sure, you know, um, you got you just got to wonder how many different electric chairs they went through because that, you know, that was quite the time to, um, quite the extensive amount of time and number of people to be executing for them to have one chair. I wonder if we can find somebody to come join us on on the podcast one time who who has a. You know specific history of capital punishment in New York and um, and how many different chairs they they employed there. Yeah, so
0: the, to the best of my knowledge, it was only one chair because Auburn Sing Sing and Dannemora all had electric chairs, so inmates could be at any one of those three facilities and receive the death penalty by electrocution. And that that was up until 1915. And after 1915, Sing Sing was the only facility that had a chair and actually used the chair. Uh, But it was eliminated at all the other institutions because New York felt there was no need for three chairs. They initially overestimated how often it would need to be used. They were
1: hoping to execute a whole lot more, huh? Uh,
0: But for, for a long time, New York... Yeah, I like the the death penalty today is not used nearly as much as it was then. So you think about 614 mm-hmm. executions in New York alone over a 70 year period. And in modern day across the entire United States, it is about, it's between like 30 to 45 roughly executions per year across all 50 States. So thankfully it has been like curbed in its use a lot. It is, I'll say, thankfully, it. it I, I'm pro abolishing the death penalty. I I think it, it's not enough to curb it down to whatever thirty five a year or whatever it is. But at least, at very least, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, less frequently yeah, used, thankfully. So inmates could gather to hear the the condemned's last words. And they could be there for the execution proceedings and even for the autopsy after the execution. And interestingly, in the 1920s, 1930s, Sing Sing carried out more executions than any other U.S. prison, yeah. which probably isn't that surprising hearing about the right. it being the death house for years and executions typically carried out on Thursday. They called it Black Thursdays.
1: Did they did they give a did they, did they give a reason why Thursdays was the day? I mean is just making it so it was a slow news day on Fridays and they'll they'll make the headlines or what?
0: I I think it's it's like a cute branding thing. Like like uh like Black <laughs> Friday that type of thing. But Black Friday was already out there, so so I had to go like uh, I don't know Black Thursday. I mean, hey, they already have yeah. thirsty
2: Thursday, so
0: oh, and it's Taco Tuesday, yeah. so it can't be Tuesday. Right, right, right.
2: Uh, what's the is is Thursday really the best day to kill people?
1: No, because that i well, and here's the thing: Do you want to... you don't you don't want to kill someone on a weekend? Yeah, well, that's a, this is so one of the so yeah. one of the articles that I was. Uh, it was actually my first publication was on the newsworthiness of executions. And man, it, it, when you were executed really was a big predictor whether or not you were going to get in the newspapers. Um, cause if it was something on the weekends, your story was not going to make it. So we have to wonder, does the state of New York do that? Because they know it's going to make headlines in New York city on a Friday. Um, you know, because hey, this is a deterrent, right? If everybody knows about it, it's a deterrent. So may, maybe that was part of the calculation into why they were doing it that on a Thursday.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad idea. That
2: makes sense because, like, uh, traditionally, like the Friday paper is like the biggest paper other than the Sunday edition. So it's like you know the most. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: So Eric, when you were there, did you you saw the electric chair itself? You got to see old Sparky. So. Here we got
1: to, I got, so I've, I've been lucky enough to be in two death rows, Louisiana's and Kentucky's. Ooh, what a lucky man he was. So I wasn't able to see the old Sparky uh, or the death row um, per se, but we did go through with the area where it used to be. But so I was able to see Kentucky's old electric chair, um, and again, that, this was in the early '90s. I was there just, just kind of like what we do with our students at over at Roger Williams. Uh, we take our students on a tour. Um, when I went to the Kentucky State Penitentiary, they took us over to uh, death row and took us down into the basement where they had uh, the electric chair, and they, and, you know, they were very proud. Oh, we just cleaned it up. Um, and um you know they were telling us how they had to clean it up and why um because they say oh yeah it, people catch fire around their wrists and their ankles around the electrodes and you know where we're where we're making that connection with electricity so yeah
0: is it ever remarkable to you how they try to engage in this cute branding where the, calling the electric chair old sparky removes the violence right. from it that that like the, the harm it's actually inflicting on people and and makes it seem like just another object.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's, it's really quite sickening what, what we do in society when, you know, when we, when we do this, where we say, Hey, it's old Sparky and turn it into a joke, which I'm sure for a lot of people in society, it is, you know, and it's part of the reason why we keep it hidden and removed. Um, that, uh, you know, hey, this is, you know, this is a bad person and they did something horrible. And, uh, you know, people are, you know, and we see it in Texas. There are two groups of people protesting the, the, the execu- or I guess there's one group protesting the executions that take place in Texas there in Huntsville. And then there's one group protesting the protesters and they're there celebrating what the hell is going on (laughs) so yeah they're protesting the people on the other side of the parking lot over there jesus
0: can you imagine protesting like finding the time in your life to protest like in favor of someone dying
1: yeah Yeah. it 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 always shocks me to be celebrating to be celebrating death i i don't know it just shocks me all the time
0: yeah these are some original own-the-libs types. <laughs> yeah. So historically, Sing Sing ran on the Auburn system. And I, I can talk ad nauseum about the Auburn system. But Eric, I'm going to let you take this one. Tell us about the Auburn so, system.
1: The Auburn system is kind of like uh, the pinnacle of American industrialization in terms of building building it bigger and better. So that we can inc- incarcerate more, we are putting boxes in front of box er, er, boxes within boxes, so stacking tiers of cells three, four high, so that we can um, keep it cheap and then incarcerate a whole lot of people, and, that, and that's exactly what we did. So whenever folks um, see Shawshank Redemption and in, in, in some of those opening scenes, and we see those uh, those cells stacked on uh, top of one another this is uh that's a scene from the old ohio state reformatory and um uh, that is an auburn style institution where the cells are stacked on top of one another obviously this isn't how we build them anymore it's extremely dangerous for those people walking on the catwalks um along the cells we don't use bars anymore um to have it as a doorway we have actual doors Um, steel doors that are being used Um, but uh, yeah this was this was a very efficient way to build institutions um, that again was going all part of the industrial explosion that was taking place in the late 1800s early 1900s in the United States and you know this build them bigger and better and we can just incarcerate more and more people
0: certainly and in the Auburn system it was this separate and silence inmates. So inmates were, were not allowed to speak to each other. They were forced to engage in labor as essentially penal slaves. A lot of the forced labor at Sing Sing was mining, but inmates would be forced to uh, walk in lines and uh, essentially march, uh, wear stripes, and they, they couldn't even make eye contact. They couldn't talk to each other. They'd be sitting there eating, unable to speak to each other. So unable to speak to each other during the day, unable to speak to each other at night. And it was all about industry, obedience and silence. So it's total silence all the time between inmates, no communication and individual cells uh, walking in lockstep. And they, they called it this military style human chain. It's inmates were transported this way from their cells to the workplace. And this changed in the early 20th century. We saw some changes in rules, changes in the management, and it strayed away from the Auburn system. They got rid of the lockstep, they allowed talking, and they allowed inmates to engage in some recreational activities. So inmates could go outside and use the yard to play baseball or do other activities outside. And the the, the whole purpose of this Auburn system initially was to improve the morals of inmates. And there's no no conclusive proof that it did that and you're, you're not helping somebody rehabilitate if they can't right. speak
1: yeah we're social beings we need to be able to communicate with one another and if you're forcing individuals to be silent um it's it's just not it's not helping them in any way you know we'd you know if we look at the the you know Eastern State Penitentiary in the Pennsylvania system, which was obviously a complete failure because of the high rates of suicide and problems with mental health. Um, You know, one of the major problems there was the absence of any interaction. Well, when we move over to the Auburn system, they're able to physically see one another, which I'm sure helped a little bit, but I think once they saw that individuals were able to communicate with one another that not all hell was going to break loose and um, you know, prison wasn't going to absolutely lead to riot at all times. Um, they, I think they gave up on the silence rule, which is obviously a very good thing. Letting individuals talk and communicate with one another.
0: Yeah. And for those unfamiliar, we may have talked about it on a previous episode, but the Pennsylvania system was essentially solitary confinement. It, it was a competing system with the Auburn system that was primarily used in pennsylvania and uh, really took off at eastern state penitentiary and western state penitentiary Um, and i believe it was also the walnut street jail Um, and inmates were kept in separate cells that had a little side yard they couldn't they were not supposed to communicate with one another Um, they had a little workbench a bed and otherwise they just stayed in their cell the entire time and they they could not speak to anyone except for clergy they were identified by number. If they were leaving their cell with a corrections officer, they had a bag put over their head, and they wore these felt-soled shoes so that they would not make any noise. They wouldn't attract any attention on the tier. And so the the Auburn system that we talked about that's that, that was relevant at Sing Sing was in contrast to the the Pennsylvania system. And they actually tried to do the Pennsylvania system at Auburn for a while. This this they had a unit a wing that used uh, the Pennsylvania system and they found that too many inmates became sick, suicidal. It, it made them ill and they started to exhibit more signs of what we would recognize today as mental illness. And they, they decided to stick with just the Auburn system instead. Yeah. And
1: then it, it's, uh, that, that's, this is the model. The Auburn model is what took off across the United States. Um, and, uh, Became the trend of how to not only build prisons, but also how to manage them. So after giving up on the silence, um, we, we still had them walking in lockstep for a little while, but uh, we eventually gave up on that as well. The um, closest thing we have to that in modern days is controlled movement, um, which I don't know. Did, did any of the prisons you've worked at have controlled movements? or was it much more open
0: we had a lot of controlled movement any unless you were a worker which we called trustees it was all mm-hmm. it was all controlled movement throughout the facility you would you would be escorting inmates and especially inmates that were coming from max would always need two officers they they'd have to have leg shackles and handcuffs on at the same time so there, there, we did do a lot of controlled. Movements.
1: It's a, the prison I was at in Kentucky Green River Correctional Complex. It was I mean, it was kind of like I wouldn't say a free for all. But yeah, there was um, unless it was count time, you know, where people were locked down for just for count um, inmates were moving in any direction they pretty much wanted. They would go to their job. They go to school. Um, they could walk any direction on the sidewalks, um, whereas, you know, some of the some of the higher security level prisons I've been to, everything is marked on the, on the ground. Staff walks in the middle, inmates stay to the right. They're not allowed to step over to the left of a line. It was, so I've, I've been able to see both, the approaches to both and um, like uh, uh United States penitentiary down in Beaumont, very, very controlled. So inmates are only allowed out moving around on a sidewalk for a given time period. And then they lock them back up um, shut things down. So there's not a whole lot of open movement, uh, unlike where I was working at. So it's, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah. If you go to San Quentin in California,
0: in part, it, it feels like a college campus. There's people walking around on their own, just walking to class, walking uh, from the church, something like that. Uh, Walking out to the rec yard, so there there is more freedom given to inmates there within the confines of the prison itself, and it's it's interesting. Like I don't know if you ever think about it like this, but we have had so much reform over time, but it's it's so imperfect still. Like there's there's no there's no one system that we can look at and say that's that's a great model, that's a paragon. Norfolk in Massachusetts has a cool model where where inmates have some limited form of self-governance, uh, the doors don't lock, and, and they'll have stuff like a, an inmate band where where they actually get some form of autonomy, but a lot of prisons don't have that. If you look to other countries that have much lower recidivism rates, it, it's thought maybe maybe giving inmates more autonomy within the prisons, is actually a helpful tool because we're preparing them to better be on their own. Once they get out to better have the tools that they need to succeed, because a lot of these people don't have yeah. the tools yeah,
1: prepping them for return to society they're by having country. them, you know, act like they're back in society rather than having everything be a controlled, you know, every decision that they make is, is controlled. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's not no, no, right
0: <laughs> like if, if if I'm going to bed at right. this time and eating three meals a day at, at these set times and other people are doing all that for me that doesn't help me it doesn't teach me how to be an adult it doesn't teach me how to how to get by on my own and that's it's a very flawed system yeah. yeah it definitely is I agree so let's talk about sing sing today it is a maximum security prison holds about 1700 inmates. Currently, they are known for their rehabilitative programs. There's a whole slew of rehabilitative programs. I'm going to go through them quickly. They've got alcohol and substance abuse treatment. They've got anger management, educational programs, vocational programs, family development programs, guidance and counseling services, library and law library services, recreational programs, religious services, sex offender treatment, temporary release programs, trauma programs, transitional services, for reentry veteran services and volunteer services and programs. It's a lot. That is definitely and a lot. And people
1: definitely. And, and you know, you need people, that for that for that large of a population of inmates, you need to have a lot of different services. That's you know, I, if they do have 1700 inmates or even 15 or 1300 inmates, that that is a large population of individuals, and um, you know, being that it's max, we know they're going to be there for a long time. They need to have some services available to them,
0: for sure. It, it gives them something to do and something to help them rehabilitate. Uh, so often, people from the outside will say, right, "We shouldn't. We shouldn't pay for that. Why should inmates get college education when we don't?" But I don't think they recognize how helpful of a tool it is and how much that education is going to help in getting that inmate to stop committing crimes when they're on the outside.
1: Right. And that's the thing I think a lot of Americans forget about is that these individuals are going to return to society at some point. And, you know, where do we want them to be when they walk back out of the doors? Um, You know, do we want them to be, you know, a better person or do we want them to be a better criminal?
0: Yeah. And often I think there's still a, a rough sentiment in society of not wanting to see former inmates succeed, wanting to see them as the criminal, wanting to see them as this other. It, it's it's a mark. It is a I'm better than you. It is it is creating this us and them divide. It, it's not helpful. Right.
1: Right. No, you're absolutely right. And we we do very little. In the, we're, we're such a punitive society. We do very little in terms of you know reintroducing these folks to society you know supposedly we have this idea that oh if you commit a crime and you do your time that's it's not over you, you will forever do your time if it's known that you you've committed a felony here in the united states
0: yeah people are always going to be looking at you differently and there's got to be a better way and it's gonna keep coming back to that but sing sing offers all these programs inmates some inmates want to be sent to Sing Sing. It's close to New York City, so there's easy access to family and other visitors. Uh, for anyone who's seen Mad Men, the town of Ossining is, is uh, where the first couple seasons in part take place, where Don Draper and his family call home. And there's, a, there's a, an officer right? when, when uh, Betty Draper is in labor. Don ends up talking to a prison officer for a while in the the family room at the hospital. But programs available at Sing Sing are usually not available at many other prisons. Um, Inmates prefer it because it is close to the city, as I mentioned. Um, That is also a problem in some ways because it might allow for some easier access to drugs and contraband. But it is referred to by some as this Plaza Hotel for Maximum Security Prisons because it's this presumably beautiful would you call it beautiful
1: i mean the surrounding area is definitely beautiful but i would not call the institution beautiful by any means i mean it's an old institution um that there's nothing pretty about i would say it's foreboding if anything i mean it's intimidating as hell it's not it's not beautiful i would say you know again thinking about those those programs that are available yeah that's great um, but that doesn't make it some pleasure camp or some beautiful place to be at I, no way it's uh i've been to a lot of other prisons that are far more uh uh aesthetically pleasing i guess you could say this one when when you arrive there you know you're you're going to a prison you know it's an institution um, for punishment uh, you know very similar to some of these other old auburn style prisons that either are still standing or still being used. It's, uh, it's definitely a place for punishment.
0: Sing Sing is big on education, though. And last I checked, they were currently building a school that was going to allow for university classes. And the purpose there is to allow inmates to get degrees. So they, they took an abandoned dorm. They're developing it into a school. And if, if we look at recidivism in New York State, as of like 2021, I believe, it was about 42%. And if we look at recidivism for inmates that receive college degrees in prison, it's about one-tenth of that at 4%. So there's purpose there. And hopefully, the, the state of New York implementing a school in Sing Sing can be helpful and cutting down some of those recidivism rates and giving people options.
1: Right. Right. No, it's a great, you know, that's such a, such a key aspect to it, giving them the options for when they get out of the institution to be able to find a possible job so it's so key it's okay eric are you ready to talk about some fun facts about absolutely sing sing? It hit me with some fun facts i would love to hear some fun facts about sing sing
0: did you know that sing sing has had a, a notable baseball team historically i didn't know
1: that i also know that they had a football team as well that's uh that's, those are quite oh, fun. Yeah. It's uh, and the only reason I know that is this, you know, is because I teach that sports and crime class and we talk about sports inside institutions and get to have students talk about that a whole lot. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Hey, what can you tell me about their football team? Any, anything to report on? Well, that?
1: so, you know, it's, it's no longer, their football team is no longer around, um, but, uh, in the thirties, they had a football team and they had football and baseball. And I'm trying to think, uh, um, the football team was called the black sheep rather fitting. Right. Um, but they were, they were sponsored by, um, the New York giants. And so the New York giants owner was actually, um, uh, we're, we're sponsoring them. It's quite interesting. You think about today. What would it take for an owner of a of a professional sports team to sponsor anything in prison? You know, because you know these owners won't do anything that has to do with goodwill unless it's going to pad their own pockets. Um, but uh, yeah, how is it going to benefit right, me? Right. So you know, they they had a team that the football team I know lasted for about five or six years. And once they banned revenue, once the state said, no, you can't sell tickets. Um, it pretty much was the end of the football outside of, outside of Sing Sing. Um, there there are plenty of other states that have, you know, especially down South, they have, uh, football between the prisons. It's, it's great. It's just, it's fascinating to have sporting events where they take a busload of inmates from one prison to another and have them participate in the sporting event. Uh, you know, it's something out of, you know, an anim, uh, you know, what, what did anim Sandler's, what was it? What was the movie, the football movie in prison? Uh, the longest yard. You know, remake that, um, with some, with a real game, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool to hear about. And in the early 20th century, (laughs)
0: Uh, baseball was was huge there and so the the sing sing's baseball team the austening orioles they were well known at the time even outside the prison and the yankees even came to play against them and i believe it was 1929 and even when babe ruth was on the team and he hit some home runs out of there yankees came to play inside the prison and of course the yankees won 17 to three hey
1: the inmates scored three runs that's phenomenal
0: expected Still, yeah, right. Good for them. Yeah. I, I, the Yankees, like, like you're going up against Babe Ruth. Right. You, you're not expected to win. It, it, you're going. Uh, you're the the Washington uh, Generals going up against the Globetrotters right. here.
1: <laughs> That's phenomenal.
0: Three runs.
1: That's amazing.
0: Sing Sing has also been seen in a number of films, especially in the 1930s and 40s. It became a popular backdrop, especially for films featuring James Cagney, and so it was used as late as like 1995 for remakes of kiss of death and for Bullet, and Warner brothers studios filmed a number of features here. And they actually donated funds for a prison
1: gymnasium in 1934. That, uh, y- you know, of course that they're going to, uh, you know, if they can make some money, <laughs> they're gonna, they, they're going to use it. Hey, oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll pimp our uh, prison out so that you guys can, um, you know, possibly uh, film something here. But that's got to be a total pain in the ass for the staff, though. I'm trying to think of how can you imagine?
0: No, No. I remember they they filmed um, part of the butterfly effect was that there was a scene filmed in a Washington state prison. And one of our notorious inmates at the jail I worked at who had murdered a prison officer um, he was actually seen in the background of of the the film. He he can be seen in the butterfly effect as an
1: extra. Really, that's fascinating. Yeah, pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Eventually, we should do
0: we should do some kind of episode just about prison and film. Yeah. Or specific <laughs> films. Even. Yeah. No. That. Uh, my last. Sorry. Oh no! It. I
1: was just gonna say that sounds like a great idea, but. Uh um i'm sure there's uh, you know all kinds of uh all kinds of different films and in, in terms of that have been filmed you know, or, or that were produced in and filmed in these places where that they're either shut down or still in operation where they were able to make all kinds of money off of um you know off of having somebody from from hollywood come and say hey we need a." Uh, we need the space over here because uh you know making a prison movie or something it's it's got to be one of those one of those uh settings where it's got a cheaper just to use uh just to use an actual prison oh
0: i'm sure but as a like as a location scout how do you how do you know which prisons to go into that that's got to be the weird yeah. part
1: yeah i don't know i'm i'm willing to bet that there's a bunch of them like kind of like you said that There are go-to places in Hollywood that will say, okay, yeah, let's go film here. And they they know they can get access. They've done it before. Um, Yeah, good point.
0: Uh, So my my final fun fact, marble. So there are a number of buildings made from marble that that was mined by Sing Sing inmates, uh, such as uh, NYU, the Grace Church, the New York State Capitol Building, and the U.S. Treasury Building are all made of marble, mined by inmates at Sing
1: Sing. That's fascinating. I guess they took it, it and is, they so. put it right on the ships and move it down the river, huh? So, um, so would
2: you say that uh, films made at Sing Sing are all part of the marble cinematic universe?
1: Oh, my. Oh.
2: All right, I'll show myself out. Goodbye, everyone. No.
1: No, <laughs> that, that might be a good transition over to our movie minute.
0: <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Indeed, that's enough Sing Sing for today. All right, I guess it's time for the movie minute. Here we go. Movie, movie.
2: 60 seconds on the clock. All right, boys. As we discussed on last episode, this week I watched 2006's Holiday in Handcuffs. (laughs) This movie, uh, this is a movie about the triumph of kidnapping over the power of love. Fired waitress and down on her luck daughter, (laughs) Melissa Joan Hart, is dumped right before the holiday season. In an effort to get a boyfriend to come join her family holiday, she kidnaps Mario Lopez, a successful real estate vice president, with an antique gun. At family holiday, Lopez decides to pretend to be the ultimate boyfriend in order to make Joan Hart's arrest even more bittersweet. The plan goes through, and Joan Hart is arrested, and Lopez is reunited with his rich, prissy fiance. But he has a change of heart, otherwise known as Stockholm Syndrome, and ends up falling for Joan Hart's character. Like, what did I just watch? The best performance in the film by far is the kinky Irish shopkeeper who tells Mario Lopez to back his ass up real slow. The dad obviously played George Bush in multiple franchises, including That's My Bush and the Crocodile Hunter movie. This movie was painful and felt like a holiday in handcuffs of my very own. (laughs) Uh,
1: Uh, Give it some stars. um,
2: Gosh, Uh, this one gets uh, one and a half soups. One and a half soups for this one.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I also
2: uh, did watch two more Christmas movies around the same time, 1984's Gremlins, which is an absolute delight, and 2023's The Holdovers uh, by Alexander Payne, which is also an absolute delight in spite of uh, the
0: accusations against Alexander Payne. (laughs) Now, I I want to provide a counterpoint for Holiday Mm -hmm. in Handcuffs because, you see, I watched it as well at a different time and uh, it was it was somewhat painful but it was not without its laughs I, there there's a scene Ma- melissa Joan hart goes in to see her parents while mario lopez is waiting in the car in handcuffs and she says to her parents oh this is my boyfriend uh, watch out he when he gets embarrassed he will make jokes about how <laughs> he's being kidnapped and then he comes in and he goes, "Help! I've been kidnapped!" And they laugh at him and they go, "Oh, he's such a joker." That's great. That's comedy right there.
1: Perfect setup, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it it was entirely implausible. It it expects you to suspend your disbelief to in to a crazy level. I am still not sure how she got an antique gun that. The restaurant just had antique guns.
2: Um, I I don't recall. I think it was like her grandma's or something, right? The the old Broadway lady, because she she has it later, and she holds I don't to, know to a cop. Remember, like the cops come in to arrest them, and she has the, oh, the gun yeah. out. Yeah.
1: I can't
0: tell you. And the grandma served no purpose in the film other than yes, to be right. drunk. <laughs> she was
2: just the, the drunk comic relief of, "Oh look, uh, Grandma's drunk again and talking about her glory days on Broadway." That was yeah. indeed.
1: I can't what tell happened. you, based off of the review, how happy I am that I did not get to see this. Yeah, you take <laughs>
2: easy part of the podcast. Like you, you yeah. just get news and comments. And prison. The film, and yeah. I have to watch- Two hours of that. <laughs> you know, it within like eighty five minutes, but it, it felt like twice as long.
0: <laughs> I I found it brisk and uh a Christmas mm. delight.
2: Great.
1: Mm-hmm. That not you're far more forgiving, I can tell.
2: Yes. Or, Gosh, or just yes. has worse taste. So uh, what, one of
1: them. Uh, <laughs> That's fine, too. <laughs> tomato and tomato.
0: <laughs> so, Producer Britt, what's the movie for next Oh, that's next a good time?
2: question. Um, do you all have any ideas of what I should watch? Any carceral or law-related films?
1: You know, I had a student, uh, I, you know, in my, my corrections class, I have students review prison movies. Mm-hmm. And talk about specifically the realities of it. I did have a student in the past who uh, they, they have to select three movies to to review. He mm-hmm. did the Caged Heat series. I was
2: just gonna, yeah, uh, recommend. <laughs> Heat because, uh, let's see if I have. It. Yeah, I've got it, H- it's a whole yeah, like series. Caged Heat One, so, so, Two, and Three Thousand.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. And those are the uh, three that he. So I I think Caged Heat.
2: Yeah, I could do Caged Heat. I got Caged Heat.
0: That could be a good series okay, for you, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll start with the first one from
2: 1975, and then uh, the other two in the 90s, maybe, if
0: this one's tolerable enough,
1: I'll go through Wow, that's, that's impressive. That's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I, I I think Medea Goes to Jail would have oh, been an acceptable alternative, oh, sure. okay, too. next time, but this, this time we're going to go for Caged Heat all right please make sure to like rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform i've been professor beckstraw joined by my colleague and friend dr eric bronson and producer brit all right that's it it's time for lights Out.
1: out